Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. He's such a good God, isn't he? He's such a good God. Such a faithful God. Always providing, even when we don't deserve it. Faithful when we don't deserve it. Great is your mercy towards me. Great is your grace. There is no God like him. And in all the earth, there is none like him. And so we worship him day after day that's oh that's such a good word such an encouraging word amen amen and amen listen we got a got a lot to maneuver through today so i don't want to spend uh too much time up here just a few pastoral announcements as we uh as we go through um as we've been going through our family series here uh we we have a couple of resources for you guys that you can purchase uh to help uh, aid us through, aid us walk through um, developing healthy norms uh, in our families, right? Developing some God-centered, Christ-exalting uh, norms in our families, whether you're a husband or a wife, or a brother, or a sister, daughter, a son, a parent, no matter what that may be. And so uh, there's a few that we have uh, that we're going to try to provide for you guys. One is called uh, Reclaiming the Urban Family by Dr. Willie Richardson. Incredible, incredible resource. So, you know, you may want to grab uh, this one. He does an incredible job of just kind of walking through, especially uh, families within the urban context, how to uh, begin restoring and redeveloping some of the brokenness that exists in some very key and unique ways. And then also we have uh, Andreas Kostenberger's uh, God, Marriage, and Family, Rebuilding the Biblical Foundation, also another great book uh, that you may want to put in your arsenal uh, as we continue to walk through uh, this uh, family series. Um, if, if I can be honest, um, well, let me, let me say this. How, how, how many of y'all know you can't run from God? Amen. Well, based on that response, I guess we're still learning that. But um, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I didn't want to preach this sermon. I did not want to preach it. I tried to get out of it. Pastor E gave me a couple suggestions, and I chose something else. And then when we talked this week, he said, well, you know, I kind of covered some of the stuff you were going to preach, so why don't you just preach this? And I said, okay, Lord. I said, okay, Lord. Um, why don't you stand with me today and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. As we read through verses 1 through 6. You know, the reason I didn't want to preach this text in all honesty is because texts like this have been used in many ways over the years to uh, oppress and abuse women in the church. And I've been very sensitive this week to that reality as I've read through this passage, uh, knowing that this is a hard word. 
Um, and oftentimes it is made even harder when it's coming from the lips of a man. Um, but my prayer here today uh, for all of us is that um, the Lord may grace me to be able to preach his word fully, um, but also do it sensitively. And for the women who may be in the building this morning who have experienced firsthand the abuses of power by men in God's word to oppress and subjugate women in the church, that you would receive healing from his word and that your heart might not be hardened because of what sinful men have done, but that you would be able to receive his word with grace and with truth and be able to apply it to your lives. Are y'all ready to dive in this morning? Why don't you read with me? I'll get us started. 1 Peter chapter 3, the first verse down through verse 6. I'm going to start us off. Y'all keep reading. This is the word of the Lord. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Keep reading. title for our text uh, this morning uh, is simply Love, Respect, and Oneness, uh, Part 2, uh, as we continue on uh, just our ideas from Ephesians chapter 5. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that you have given us your word, that you've given us clarity in your word, that you have strengthened us by your spirit to obey your word in totality. Father, we come before you knowing good and well that even though your word is clear, your word has not always been presented in clear ways. And so, Father, we're praying that you would enlighten our hearts and our minds this day to receive the word that you have for us. Because even in the difficulty of applying your word to our lives, we have to believe that your word is good for us. That it is true that when we obey your word, there is healing there. There is peace there because it comes from a loving and perfect and holy God. And so Father, we pray today that this word would be something that unifies us together as a body and doesn't divide us further apart. This we pray in the only name that matters, the name of your son and our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, we do pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. I know I've, uh, you know, I've mentioned this at various points in, uh, in, in the past, but, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I like to do in my spare time is, you know, watch movies um, and, and, and TV shows and, and different things like that. Um, and every once in a while, you come across a show that you've watched for years, and even when it's now no longer on TV, you'll, you'll go back and watch the reruns. 
Uh, and now with the invention of you know, Netflix and Hulu and, and all of those different things, you can kind of go back and watch any episode you want at any point in time. Um, and you know, yeah, I'm, y'all, y'all know I'm not, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know, you know, cause I know y'all watch Martin and, and the Cosby show still and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and you know, they just put Living Single on Hulu, I heard, amen somebody. See, I just blessed somebody's soul right there. Amen. Y'all going to be asking for people's password accounts tonight. Um, but there's a particular show, there's a particular show that, I, that, I, that I've been watching for years that I, that I like watching. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm not doing anything, there's nothing on TV and, and I'm not reading or studying anything, I, I like to go to this show because it's always enjoyable. Uh, and that show for me is The Office. Some of y'all, some of y'all might be familiar with... Um, with the office, it's about a, a group of coworkers that pretty much have a documented history of their ins and outs and some of their daily experiences working together and the craziness that goes on in the office. As a side note, I would have loved to work for a boss like Michael Scott, because um, they didn't do any work. I don't, I don't understand how that, how, how that happens. Um, but my, my favorite character on the show is a, is a character by the name of Dwight Schrute. And um, uh, this, this guy, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the, car, the show, this, this guy, he's just crazy, right? He's just, like, he's got, he's, he's extremely weird, socially awkward. Um, he, he thinks that he's in an authoritative position, even though that position doesn't exist. And he just kind of created it on his own so that he can kind of, you know, manage his coworkers and nobody respects him at all. And they make fun of him all the time, right? Um, but he, he's my favorite character. And there's one particular episode um, that I can watch over and over and over again, and it never gets old. And it's, it's well, there's a number of episodes like that, but my, my favorite in particular is called Stress Relief. And in the beginning of this episode, uh, Dwight creates um, uh, uh, basically a false fire emergency. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, and so what he does is, as he says, he says, I want to see how well prepared my coworkers are if a fire were to break out. And so he walks around the building and he locks all the doors and puts metal inside them and, you know, hammers it out so that they can't get out. They can't unlock the door. So they're trapped in the office. Uh, he takes a blowtorch and, you know, puts the fire up to the handles to heat the handles up so that when they touch it, they'll think that fire is on the other side and they can't go that way. Right. And then he actually sets a fire in a trash can and allows the smoke to come underneath the door so that people begin to see who does this i mean like this is just and anyway anyway so so he he does all of this and he goes back and sits down in his chair and that smoke begins to come underneath the door he he grabs the attention of his co-workers and said oh my goodness what is that over there and so they see the smoke and everybody goes haywire i mean they it just chaos ensues People are running from here to there, checking the doors, trying to get out. And as they realize that there's no way for them to escape, uh, 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 every man for himself mentality begins to take place. And so you have guys trying to take copy machines and throw them out the window. You have uh, a woman who's trying to rescue her cat by throwing it up into the ceiling. It's, I mean, it is just one of the most chaotic scenes in the world and nobody cares. There's a stampede that takes place where people are getting knocked over because there's danger and everybody's trying to escape. And I wanna tell you this, wives, today, please, when conflict in your marriage breaks out, do not have a let me find the first exit mentality yeah, amen. 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 
Now, brothers, let me give you some advice. And I'm, I'm going to say this, please. I'm going to bless somebody's heart right now. Brother Reggie's been married long enough to say amen that loud. I don't know if you're going to want to do that this sermon. You might get yourself in some trouble. Amen. Say, say amen in your spirit and in your, in your soul. But, but, but li, li, listen to me. Wife, if you get into a marriage that is difficult, if you get into a marriage where your expectations have not been met, if you get into a marriage where you feel like you are suffering and it is a burden to be with this man, you cannot by God's word, based on what he has called you to, look for the nearest exit to escape. I'm not just talking about a physical escape where you're leaving the marriage. I'm also talking about an emotional escape. I'm talking about a mental escape where you check out from engaging your husband in relationship. Where you engage, where you stop serving him. You stop loving him. You become cold and calloused in your heart because you have not been what you felt has honored in your marriage. Where do I get this from? It's, it's interesting that you know, Peter starts off verse 1 and he says, in the same way, wives. Oftentimes we continue on reading and we just read that verse in its context, but in the same way points to something happening before Paul, Peter even gets to verse 1, which means we have to go back and look at chapter 2 to see what is Peter even talking about when he says in the same why, in the same way, because he's comparing what he's about to command wives to do to something that happened in the past. In chapter two, he begins to walk through how we as believers must submit ourselves in various forms and functions to authority that's been placed over us, whether that's in the government, whether that's in our employee-employer relationships, no matter what the case may be. But, he, but the submitting that he calls us to do is implied in the sense that you will find yourself submitting to an authority that is always not in your best, is not out for your best does not have your best in mind. That's why we have to read verses like verse 20 in, in chapter two where he says, for what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. But, but listen, listen keep, keep reading with me, verse 21, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. But he also doesn't stop there because he says, he says this example that Christ has set that you're supposed to follow and walk in his steps. He says there, there's a way in which Jesus responded to unjust authority when he was suffering that we have to take the same posture as. Listen to what he says. He says, even though Jesus suffered, even though he suffered under unjust authority, verse 22, he did not commit sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but what did he do? He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And this, this, this is, see, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. Like this, this is where it gets hard. 
is when we say, man, am I okay following God as long as it's easy to do so? As long as there are no obstacles in my way, as long as everything in my mind matches up to everything that I'm actually experiencing in my life, what do you do? How do you respond when things don't go your way? Let's not sit up here and act like every marriage, every marriage is perfect. Now, marriage is a good thing, and by, by no means am I, am I trying to discourage you from getting married. Marriage comes from God. Marriage existed before the fall. Mar- God looked at marriage, at what he had created, Genesis 1.31, and said, it is good, right? So marriage is a good thing. However, because of the fall, when we look at marriages now, you can look across the board and say, man, I'm disappointed with what I'm experiencing in marriage because it doesn't align with what I thought marriage was going to be like. When you're there, what do you do? What do you do, wife? What do you do when God has called your husband to lead you and he's called you to follow him in obedience as a leader and he doesn't lead you well? What do you do when you're more spiritually mature than your husband is? What do you do with his failures and his flaws that you see up close and personal every single day? when you know that you're better at managing the household than he is, what do you do? See, this is is a hard word. This is is a hard word to follow, but but, but stick with me. I'm, I'm telling you, once we get to the end of this thing, God is gonna show us that even in the hard word, there's freedom. See, because you'll, you'll look around in this world and listen to what everybody in the world is telling you about freedom in relationships and freedom in marriage, and they'll have you confused thinking that you need to run the show. They'll have you thinking that God's way of doing things are archaic and out of date. They'll have you thinking that the best possible way for you to live is to come from underneath what God has called you to because there's no freedom in it. There's no joy in it. what does God say in his word? This brings me to my first and, and only point for this morning. Just simply this. The wife who finds favor with her husband and with God is one who faithfully endures through, con- through the conduct of her character and not the warring of her words. The wife who finds favor with her husband and with God is one who faithfully endures through the conduct of her character, not the warring of her words. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Let's stop there. Submit that word hupatasso means to voluntarily place yourself under someone else's authority. Listen listen to me. Submit. I know that's a cuss word today. Submit. Biblically, this idea of submitting in marriage is voluntary. It is one that as a wife, you must choose to do. This is not the idea of submit where you are being forced into a position. This is not an arm bar or a chokehold like MMA does where they got you and they make you tap out. Right? This is not a breaking of your spirit or a crushing of your will. This is a voluntary act that says, I'm going to obey God because I know it's my spiritual duty to place myself here. Yeah. Yeah. It says, submit 
To be in a subordinate role as a wife means being under the managerial authority of the husband as an equal, and it means the willful obeying, willfully obeying the husband as a matter of spiritual responsibility, right? Underneath his managerial authority as an equal, but willfully obeying your husband as a, as a, as a, as a, with a posture of spiritual responsibility, right? Which means, wives, that we have to receive our identity not from what the world tells us marriage relationships should look like, but from what God says it looks like. In the beginning, God said that you were an equal in worth, in dignity, in value, worthy of respect, worthy of honor, and yet he gave you a role to function as a helpmate underneath the authority of your husband, right? So we must not see the function of the role that we've been given as indicative of the value and worth that we have. God has given you that role for a reason. He's empowered you to walk in that role for a reason. He has strengthened you to be able to walk in that role and prepared you to be able to walk in that role in a way that a man could never do. And the greatest thing that you can do to be like Jesus is to submit yourself to your husband just like he submits himself to the Father. He says, submit there. I, I like what, what, what Dr. Tony or Pastor Eddie Lane says in, in, in his book on building healthy uh, family relationships. He says, when a wife develops a negative attitude towards her husband because of poor managerial skills and leadership and refuses to function under his authority, the whole order of the household is disrupted. Unity suffers and dysfunction rules. See, see the, the biblical imperative for the wife is here in this passage. It's that, that, that you are to voluntarily place yourself under the managerial authority of your husband regardless of if he's earned your respect or he's worthy of your respect or if he continues to fail and show, and show up short. There's, there's a biblical responsibility despite all of his flaws for you to submit yourself. Now listen, I, I feel the, the eyes burning a hole in my chest right now. I, I, I feel it because I, I hear some of you saying, Pastor Kurt, that's not fair. Pastor Kurt, what happens when he's tripping and he's not obeying God's word? Well, we, we, we're going to get to that, right? We're going to get to that. What if my husband's not doing what he's supposed to do? I, I love what 1 Corinthians 11.3 says. It, 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 it describes what Pastor Tony Evan talks about, the, the alignment principle. It says, that, it says that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of every woman, and, and, and God is the head of Christ. And, and there we see a description of uh, biblical alignment in the family and in family relationships that is given by God, right? If a uh, uh, proper understanding, let me make it plain, it's, it's like going to the chiropractor. I went to the chiropractor a couple years ago because I get, I, I get migraines often. Right, and one of the things that they did was they took me in as they're doing my assessment. They did a, 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 a what, what's it called? An X-ray. They did an X-ray, right? And they showed me my spine, and they said, they said, Kurt, the reason you're experience, experiencing headaches is because this vertebrae in your neck is not moving the way it's supposed to move. 
it has, it has too much calcium on it and it's stuck in place, right? And so what happens is because your body is not aligned properly, it now distributes other symptoms to other areas of your body and you don't know where the root cause is because you think it's a symptom issue when really the issue is the posture in your neck and the lack of movement in your vertebrae. And so you've been spending all these years taking headache medicine and the reason that it hasn't worked is because even though you're dealing with the symptoms, you're not dealing with the root cause of the issue in your spine. Let me tell you something here. This is what happens when there's not alignment in the home. When the husband is out of alignment, then there can't be unity, there can't be peace, there can't be oneness, they can't function the way that God has called them to function when he is not aligned with God's word and walking in God's way. When the wife moves herself out of the authority of her husband and begins to walk out of alignment by putting herself above him, then things will not work the way that God has called them to work. Sometimes, wife, God wants to deal with your wife, with his, with your husband when he's out of alignment, but he can't because you've now circumvented the process and put yourself in the way between him and God. It's an, it's an alignment issue. Right, I like how he said this, this idea that, that for your husband, his, so, so what do you do when he's not following the word? Well, I, I'll tell you this, his authority remains valid only as long as he's not violating a principle from God's word. See, we'll see later in the text that, that your obedience to your husband and honoring and respecting him is not relegated to whether or not he's a Christian. And it's not relegated to whether or not he always gets it right. He's the ideal husband. No, the, the, the Bible is making it clear here that even when he fails, even if he doesn't follow me as a believer in Jesus Christ, you as a wife have a biblical imperative and responsibility to honor him in everything. As long as he's not violating any biblical principles from God's word. See, the problem that we have oftentimes with this is that this command to submit to yourselves, to your own husband is not a conditional statement. It's not an if-then statement, and so because of that, we sometimes view this as an if-then statement. If my husband is doing what he's supposed to do, then I'll submit to him. If I agree with him, then I'll submit to him. If he hasn't made a mistake in a while, then I'll submit to him. No, 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 that's, that's not what this word says. This word says to submit and doesn't give any clarifying adjectives to describe what, what kind of situation you should stop submitting. Notice he says in the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. Oftentimes a wife can take the posture of submission to, to every other man in the world other than her own husband. You get to church and show more respect and honor to your pastor than you do to your husband at home. You get to the job and show more deference to your boss than you do to your husband at home. You heed the instruction of your earthly father more than you do your husband at home. Some of us even respect the car mechanic more than we do our husband at home. Listen to me, wives. Be careful of giving more honor and more respect to a man who was not standing across from you when you said, I do. Verse one, he says, he says, he says to your own husbands, he says, so that, so that, so that, even if some disobey the word, 
right? So that even if some disobey the word. Now, now the biblical imperative here is for the wife at all times. But just in case you thought there was an out clause, he says, even for those who don't disobey, who disobey the word, those he may be thinking here of the the unbeliever, the non-Christian, he says, even for that guy, he says, I want you to win him over without a word. Right, but let's, let, let, let's deal with this disobey or the, the, that non-Christian idea. This was difficult. This was a difficult, a difficult thing to do uh, back in that day because a woman who, uh, who, who ended up following another religion or worshiping another god, it, that act, the act of doing that could be seen as an act of insubordination to her husband. Right, listen to one of the, what, what one of the Greek historians uh, said about this. He writes, a wife should not acquire her own friends, but should make her, her, husband friends, her husband's friends her own. The gods are the first and most significant friends, and for this reason it is proper for a wife to recognize only those gods whom her husband worships. Now imagine being in a home where you have now adopted a new position as a daughter in Christ, obeying the things of God and the word of God and your husband is still worshiping a false gods. Can you imagine how often you would miss one another because there can't be oneness when you're worshiping two different gods? Can you imagine the tension in the home? Could you imagine the lack of respect that the husband feels from his wife because she won't follow him as it relates to worshiping their God? But here the biblical imperative is, wives, when you find yourself in a position even with an unbeliever, still called to follow him to honor him to submit to him to follow his leadership and if that's the case if 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 here Peter is admonishing us that that should be our activity when we're married to an unbelieving man how much more to a believing husband how much more to a man who's striving to follow the Lord, albeit maybe not perfectly. Then he goes on, he says, he says that they may be won over without a word. That they may be won over without a word. See, the, the idea here is not for you just to shut up and stop talking. That's not the idea, right? And, and, and what's being said here does not mean that you're not talking but you're storing up anger and bitterness and frustration in your heart the idea here which he'll go on to say is a a quiet and gentle spirit see what what happens is if you don't have that idea of of silence being how I conduct my life before him not silence being let me stop using my words then you'll begin to get frustrated bitter and stressed out by that man every time you see him walk by you're gonna be looking at him with a side eye. Every time he tries to open his mouth, you've already lost respect for him, and so he has no credibility in his own to say anything. It's a side, this, that, that's not what he's saying here, right? But what happens is if we, if, we allow, if we allow bitterness and anger and frustration to, to, to cause our hearts to become callous and to take a posture of a lack of submission in our hearts, then conflict will be persistent in your marriage. It'll be persistent in your marriage. Now, l- let, me, let, me, let me tell you why I believe many wives struggle with this. I think many wives struggle with this because they don't see any way their husbands will come around without their intervention. 
whether through lecturing, demeaning, manipulating, whatever the case may be, there's a sense in which he's not going to do it unless I keep badgering him to do it. He's not going to do it unless I find some way to convince him that he should do it. Right? But, but here's, here, here's the thing that, that I think we need to understand is that, that, that when we do that, when we take that posture where I have to intervene, as a wife, it, it puts you in a position of prideful arrogance where you say that I am better at transforming the heart of my husband than God is. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, me, and, me and my wife, uh, we have made a, we've, we've made a practice in, in the way that we pray for one another when we tripping. <laughs> right? Um, because we've, we've begun to notice that, you know, I know I can't change her. She knows that she can't change me. And it's no point in us arguing, trying to change each other. Because the last thing I want to do is have her have behavior modification when she's in my presence. Or her... For, or for me to have behavior modification while I'm in her presence, but no heart transformation has taken place. So you know what we've begun to do? Like when we pray, this is, this is how we pray. Lord, you better get your girl because she's tripping. <laughs> like, like for real, Lord, I, like I know I ain't tripping. Like tell me if I'm tripping. I don't think I'm tripping. Yo, you got to get her because she, like she bugging out right now. Like, and I'm not feeling this, right? And I know I ain't wrong. I know I ain't wrong, so you got to get her, right? Like, it's literally like, like we, and she prays the same thing on me. Like, we literally be, like, sicking the Holy Spirit on each other. Like, yo, can you jam, can you jam, can you jam her up for real, for real, God? Like, like, I'm tired of this. Like, jam her up. And guess what? Guess what? More times than not, we, we can, she can testify too. She's sitting in the back. She, we can testify. I can't tell you how many times. Either I've gone to her, she's come to me, and repented of the very things that we prayed for without the other one saying anything to that spouse. Right? Now, here's the idea behind that. The Holy Spirit, God who lives in your spouse, can do far better work than you can. And the work that he does is so much more long-lasting than anything that you can manufacture in them for the moment. Because I know that if, I'm, if, if the Lord talks to my godly wife, then I know that she's going to wrestle to obey even if she doesn't like it. If I tell her something, she's just going to fight against me. So I need the Lord to say it. Wives, that's how you should be. Sometimes you have to trust God to say things on your behalf to get through to your husband so he can respond to God without having to respond to you first. Like what, what Pastor Tony Ever, Dr. Tony Ever says, he says, wife, he says, wife, you cannot say you are close to God while you are in rebellion against your husband's leadership, putting him down and battling for him for control. You know, one of, the, one of the questions I was thinking through that I know me and my wife had to wrestle through earlier in our marriage was, 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 wife, you know, how much room do you give your husband to fail before you justify not having to follow his leadership anymore? Do you require perfection from him? 
Or do you give him room to be able to, to navigate learning how to lead and having natural failures from his frailties and his flaws where you don't expose him at every turn? Peter goes on to say, he says, he says, he says but the reason, there's a reason why there's a reason why I want you to take this posture, this posture that Jesus has taken when he experienced suffering and unjust authority. There's a reason why I want you to take this posture. He says, he says, so that they may be won over without a word by the way that their wives live. That they might be able to see the conduct of your life. That they might be able to see your kindness, your perseverance, your care and your concern. There's, there's, there's nothing greater for a man to know that he's weak and know that he's fallen short and see his wife still respect him. It says that they might see the conduct of your lives when they observe your pure and reverent lives. Then Peter begins to urge them in verse 3. He says, man, don't let your, don't let your beauty consist of only outward things, this, this desire for, for, or, for, for, to attract attention to yourselves. He says, he says, do you spend as much time on your inward character as you do your outward appearance? Do you spend as much time developing character in your soul as you do trying to make sure your natural hair is good to go? I only say that because I know how much time that takes. <laughs> but but this, is, this is the idea. How much time do you spend on having a quiet and reverent spirit that knows how to apply God's word when conflict and difficulty comes? Listen, watch. You can't wait until you're frustrated in marriage to begin trying to develop a quiet spirit. This, this is something that must be developed over time as you wrestle with God, as you grow in your natural relationship as a disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ so that when the bright lights of the game come on and you're disappointed and you're frustrated, you know how to respond with a quiet and gentle spirit because you've been practicing it. You've added it to the repertoire of the character of who God has made you to be. You've been practicing it. He says, he says the but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. I love how he calls this an, an imperishable quality. It's something that does not rust or fade. This is the type of character that stays with you, right? The imperishable quality. He, he's trying to get across the point that the fastest way of ushering in God's favor and power in your life is to honor God by honoring his established alignment in your life and submitting to your husband. You, you, you want favor from God, wife? You want blessings from God, wife? You honor the Lord by honoring your husband. He says, he says, uh, he says, for in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way in the way of a, the imperishable quality of a gentle and, and quiet spirit, submitting to their own husbands just as Sarah obeyed uh, Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear 
any intimidation. I, I love this, this idea where, where, where God is saying that uh, hope in God, the, the women of old uh, hoped in God, and the call here is for you t- as women today to hope in God a- a- in such a way that, that shows that you, that you really believe his word. It, it, it shows, like, like, if we can be honest, I, I'm a, I look at verse six, and the reality is that, that doing this as a wife is hard. It's hard because you, you put yourself in a position of being exposed to harm and to hurt when you voluntarily allow someone else to lead you. And, 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 and that's, that's the difficult thing because it's scary to put yourself in a position that allows possible abuse to happen. But here's what God says. In verse six, he says, you've become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation or I like what the NLT says, it says, without fear of what your husbands might do. Now, th- now, now before I, I explain this, he's not saying to stay in a relationship of abuse. Let me make that really, really clear here. He is not talking about physical, emotional, or spiritual abuse that is, that is contrary to God's way. If, 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 if the man is not treating you in the way that God would treat you and is trying to use his word as a form of abuse, you need to run. And you need to get out of there. Right? Now, I, w- I want to make that clear. We are not talking about unjust abuse here and oppression. We're not talking about that. But the idea here is there is a level of exposure when you submit yourself to the husband's leadership, right? But here God is saying, listen, I want you to trust me like Jesus trusted me. He said there there was nobody who walked on this earth that was more exposed than the son of man was when he wrapped himself in flesh and was beaten by his creation and was spat on and was pierced in his side and was nailed to a cross and still had to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. Could you imagine knowing that you're going to die and having to trust God to say, I trust you enough that when I die on this earth, you will raise me up from the grave again. Wife, listen to me. Even when you are exposed, God wants you to trust him he says if if your husband won't cover you I need you to trust that I will if your husband won't protect you I need you to trust that I will if your husband won't care for you guess what I still want you to walk in my word and believe that I will there is nothing that I'm not calling you to that I will not protect you of he says but you got to trust me You know, this was the type of, this is the type of passage where I, you know, as I was, I was you know, trying to put it together, I said, my, I said to myself, you know, I need to get a woman's perspective on this passage because I can't just come to this pa- a passage like this even though I can do exegetical work and hermeneutics and all those different things, but there's something experientially that I'm missing as a man and as a husband that I won't grapple with from this passage because I'm not a wife or a woman. And so I reached out to a, a, a few women who are in varying stages of life, and, I, and I, I compiled some of the quotes that they sent to me, and I just want to share that with you. I just want to share that with you. One says that submission to a man you are in relationship with is a call to a wife, not a girlfriend. Too many singles are trying to submit to someone they don't have a covenant with, 
And too many married women aren't submitting to the man they do have a covenant with. Have more honor, respect, and a submissive attitude for your own husband versus other men. Some wives have more respect for their boss and pastor than their husband. Practically speaking, your husband doesn't want to hear all the time how great some other man is, even if that man is great. Don't speak too highly, too long, or too frequently about another man to your man. He will resent that and resent that man. Make your husband feel like you most admire him. Winning your man means he comes over to God's side, not your side. If you let God win you first as a wife, you can be an instrument God uses to win him. Also, for wives who married unbelievers, you knew he was an unbeliever when you married him. You either were an unbeliever yourself and now are saved, or you married in disobedience. Either way, it doesn't matter, y'all are married now. Don't come home from church trying to re-preach the sermon to your husband or buy him books and make him listen to podcasts. Win him by cooking, loving him, having good sex, being kind. Let him catch you quietly praying. Keep the home clean. Be a good mother and love him well. Preach with your life and trust God to save his soul. Watch your attitude. A gentle and quiet spirit is a woman at peace and content with Christ. Manage your angry emotions. No one wants to live in a home with a cold and contentious woman. As a wife, don't put more of your hope in a man, even your husband, than in God. When you are trying to get all your needs met by a man rather than God, you will stay frustrated. Instruct them about the power of silence, something I'm currently trying to work out. The tongue has the power of life and death, but inside the power of silence is humility and trust. Look at Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2. Inside the power of silence is obedience. I've been looking at Hannah in 1 Samuel and how she was taunted on her way to worship every year. There is nothing that indicated that she responded to her adversary. She talked but to the Lord. And judging from where she ended up, she found some power in all those years of silence. Pray for me that this may not just be theory, but functional practice in my own life. I would say the peace about the power in our silence as wives is so crucial. Time after time throughout my marriage, I've seen God work, and as a result, honor my obedience to his word with not nagging, but rather bringing my heart and my concerns to him instead. There are plenty of times where I address things with my husband, but I know it's time to turn it over to God when I'm not getting through to him. And to be honest, even with smaller matters, I take it to God before I bring it to him for wisdom on how to go about it. Honestly, the power isn't necessarily in my silence, but in my faith to trust God and obey his word in practicing the the discipline of silence. Those are just some helpful practical wisdom advice from different uh, women in different stages of life. You know, what's interesting, after, uh, after Dwight had um, set that mock fire and created chaos in the office, he was on the verge of getting fired. 
and they kept asking him why he did what he did. And his only response was simply, I gave them instructions and they didn't follow my instructions. Wives, I wanna encourage you today. When you find yourselves in difficult situations, God has given you instructions by his word. And if you wanna get to a place of safety, of healing, of peace in your life, even in the midst of difficulty, take him at his word and follow him through. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are so thankful. Thankful that your word, you say, is good for us because it comes from you. That it's profitable for all things. It's profitable for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for training in righteousness so that we might know how to live and know how to please you. Father, we don't just want to read the easy words that you give us, the easy commands that you give us. We want to take all of your word, even the hard things, and we want to live them out so as to honor you. Because ultimately, God, what you're calling wives to and even husbands to is a call to faithfulness to you above faithfulness to one another. And so the benefit that husbands and wives receive is the overflow of obedience to God that produces peace and fruitfulness and health in the marriage. So while, Father, we pray, I pray, I pray for all the, the wives that are present, the women who are here that may one day want to be wives, that you would encourage their souls, encourage them to, to walk with you, to know that their obedience is an honor and a sacrifice to their king. Father, I'm praying for the husbands that we would see this passage and, 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 and take it upon ourselves to not make marriage difficult for our wives. That we would lead and that we would love and we would live in such a way that encourages them to want to follow us. Father, this passage today is for us just as, as much as it is for them. We pray, God, that you would use your word to bring us together, to call us to greater discipleship, greater depths of following you, greater intimacy with you and with one another. And we pray all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.